This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, the accredited speaker program designation is reserved for Toastmasters who combine subject mastery with professional speaking skills at the highest level of proficiency. Now, since the program started in 1981, there have been fewer than 100 who have earned the coveted title. At the first international hybrid convention this past August in Nashville, Tennessee, one individual was successfully added to the prestigious list who became only the 90th. And we have the honor of speaking with him today. Ryan, who are we speaking with? Today's guest is international keynote speaker and distinguished Toastmaster, Dr. Kevin Snyder. As you just mentioned, Greg, Kevin is the 90th person in the world to receive Toastmasters International's accredited speaker designation. Joining us from North Carolina, accredited speaker, Kevin Snyder. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast and come on down. It's an honor to be with you both. Thank you so much. <laughs> little delay on that. <laughs> I thought that was my imagination for a second. <laughs> Kevin, as I watched the recording of your presentation from Nashville this summer, there was something that caught my attention from the person who introduced you. She referred to you with air quotes as a recovering motivational speaker. <laughs> Where does that oh. moniker come from? Well, it was in the script that I gave her. So yes, it, it, it was in the script. <laughs> and, and that's actually what, what she read. She did a great job, really just engaging the audience through an introduction. And that's, that's actually my, my standard introduction in all my professional speeches. Because as I shared in at the beginning of the speech, I'm always looking for ways to connect with an audience. And what you know, an introduction is not a bio. So how does that introduction create this energy and even some intrigue with an audience? So before I even start speaking, hopefully they're already thinking, hey, this guy seems a little different. I think I like him or I'm going to like this speech. <laughs> so the recovery part is just, hey, I, you know, I've been doing this for speaking for, for about 20 years. So I thought, hey, recovering motivational speaker means I could just I can't get away from it. I'm addicted to it <laughs> for all the right reasons. Nice. <laughs> In addition to being the recovering motivational speaker, I mean, you have a master's and a doctorate in educational leadership. You're a multi-TEDx presenter. What prompted you to pursue the Toastmasters accredited speaker designation? I was so pleased to know that something like this existed that recognized professional speakers. My background's in education. I've worked at several college campuses. I used to bring in speakers. For my students, we'd host student leadership conferences, student orientations. And I just, I remember some great speakers really inspiring me. And a few of them, when I would pick them up at the airport or just get the chance to talk with them and also talk with them prior to them coming to campus, I just really appreciated the ones who were really good, the craft, how much energy and, and time they put into the preparation. Ironically, it was, it was kind of through a, a series of events, including The Price is Right, where Although I, I didn't feel like I was ever, I had a goal of becoming a professional speaker, but that story of The Price is Right really became my signature story. And when I started presenting it for my own students, I was shocked at how much they gravitated to the story. And they found 
the story was just not only engaging and funny, but it was also inspiring. My speaking began to grow and people, you know, the first time I ever got paid to speak was when they asked me what my fee was. I was like, oh, wait, you get, you get paid for this? <laughs> and in long story short, because it is a kind of a long story, but long story short, I, I then kind of started speaking for fun on the side. And then when that started growing, I got to a point where not that it was about the money, it was really about the platform and that I could really spread this message beyond just the classroom or just beyond my campus. I could travel wherever in the world or in the United States, at least. I developed this program that I just kept doing it over and over. And I got to a point where I was making more money speaking two or three times a month than I was in my full-time job. And I thought, you know, gosh, maybe I'm onto something here. And that's when I resigned my day job of <laughs> working respectfully in higher education to pursue my dream job of speaking. I didn't know if it would work or not. I was hopeful. I had passion. I had kind of a process. I had hired another coach to help me as well, who was a speaker. That's when I resigned my job. I put all my, my eggs in that basket. I burnt the boat, as I say, and there was no retreat. That's when I joined Toastmasters back in 2012. And ironically, one of our club meetings, they played the video called Speak a documentary of this international speech contest. So what pulled me into Toastmasters was the international speech contest. And it, it kind of all went from there. And then I said, you know what? I really love that. I love the community. I love how, you know, the education program really pushes you to be better and find blind spots that you didn't know existed. And I decided to go for the DTM and the Distinguished Toastmaster. And once that was over, and this really answers your question finally, is I didn't think I'd go for per se, a second DTM, like some amazing people do, I kind of was thinking of, hey, what's next? You know, I'd already been president of my club. I was a member of two or three other clubs. I just earned the DTM. You know, I, I kind of figured, hey, maybe international speech is just where I need to focus. But then when I heard about the accredited speaker, I thought, whoa, whoa, what is this? This is really cool. That's where that started. I wish I would have known about it a little bit sooner, to be honest with you. Kevin, I've heard you say that achieving the accredited speaker has already been a game changer for you, both personally and professionally. And of course, it's only been a few months. How has it become a game changer for you? I'm so humbled by it, number one. At the convention, people came up to me constantly after it was public that I had received it. People gave me high fives and said, hey, congratulations, you're number 90. You know, like you're 90th. And it hit me. I was like, wow, not only 90... Toastmasters have, have earned this designation in the history of it. And I thought that alone is just something you got to feel proud about, you know, to all the accredited speakers and all the future ones as well. And then this year to also know, and I did not know that I was the only person that would be speaking during the accredited speaker. I, I expect there to be more who are like me applying or going for the designation. It wasn't until sound check that I thought, well, wait, where's everybody else? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, wow. whoa, am I the only person? And, and even in the introduction, I, I don't know if it's in the video that you all saw, but maybe prior when they were talking about the accredited speaker, when they, when they mentioned, and for the first time, you know, there's 500 people in that room. And then they mentioned there is one potential accredited speaker presenting to you. could hear just oxygen get sucked out of the room because people are like, <laughs> what, one? So, you know, I, I felt just honored and humbled by it. And this process, although I've, I've spoken over a thousand times, this is what I do full-time. So I've done it a lot. I don't take that for granted. Every, every audience is the most important audience who I've ever spoken to, in my opinion. I truly mean that. I didn't go into this expecting to earn the designation. I knew that I had to show up. 
You know, it's like the best sports team. You know, right now we have the World Cup going on. You could be the best team, but you got to show up. You got to show up the best. I kind of looked at it the same way. So I was just, I was humbled. I was proud. I've already had multiple districts reach out to me about presenting at their district conferences. The accredited speaker designation itself. You know, I haven't fully measured how that's going to impact my entire professional speaking career because it's really something that only a lot of Toastmasters know about. But at the same time, I want to talk more about it in the public setting so people know that it exists, whether they're Toastmasters or not. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me who've seen the video and they're like, wow, I wouldn't have watched that if you didn't have that opportunity. It was really cool to watch you speak and share this message. So I know, you know, it's only been a couple of short months, but I'm confident that in the years ahead, that not only the video, but that designation is, is really just going to be another stamp of validation to others who might consider me to speak. And, and frankly, I hope I get to travel. You know, if you're listening to this, I hope I get to travel the world and visit Toastmaster districts all over the world. I truly want to do that. And it, it gives you the opportunity to explain and to share how exclusive it is that you're number 90 <laughs> in this organization of almost 100 years of history. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and, and I'm still, to be honest with you, in the spirit of transparency, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that the best way where it doesn't seem like I'm bragging or I'm, you know, I'm honored. I truly am, as well as anyone should be when they push on to, to achieve something. It's a delicate dance of how, how I, I let people know, but at the same time, not trying to have it be promotional because it's not about the promotion. It's about hopefully the impact, you know, when people watch that, that video or it's more about the impact than anything. Kevin, in Toastmasters, we learn by doing, we learn from feedback, we learn by perhaps the first time around things not turning out the way that we expected. For you, this year was not your first attempt at going for the accredited speaker designation. Can you perhaps tell us a little bit about that experience and also what you learned about yourself from this process? I want people to know this. In 2020, and really starting in 2019, when I was getting my application together, you know, there's, there's multiple levels to the accredited speaker program. So for anybody who's curious about that, go to toastmasters.org, type up accredited speaker, you'll find it. Look at the handbook. There's two levels. The level one is mostly the documentation, showing that you've got paid presentations, reviews, information about yourself and your program. If you get through level one, that's judged by a panel. Then you go into level two, which is the presentation. And in 2020, when I submitted, I got through level one and I, I expected to get through level one because I had already had all these paid speeches in my past. But when I got to level two, it was virtual. That was in the pandemic era. And for me, that was a struggle. I didn't even have a Zoom account prior to COVID, nor did I enjoy doing anything virtually. When I knew I'd be presenting in level two, I wasn't even sure if I'd do it then. I, because I, I, frankly, just didn't feel confident in my, myself. I feed off that in-person energy when mm -hmm. I can see people, when I can have, when they'll raise my hand and, and they'll do it too, or when they'll call, you know, I call people to stage. That, that's just how I've always spoken. So in 2020, when I did not earn it, it, it frankly was because I made some mistakes in my presentation and I hope nobody finds it. I don't know if it's public or not. Don't look for it. Uh, unless you're looking for a speech not to, to model after. I also remember the morning of, I made some changes last minute. And you can't do that. You know, you can't expect to make some significant changes in the speech the morning of. And that was a mistake too. But 
I did a few things in that speech that I look back on. And I'm like, wow, why did I do that? And a lot of it probably stemmed from just not feeling confident in my ability. And that came through. It showed, even though I've done this quite a few times. So I didn't show up well that day. And that was in 2020. So in 2021, I knew it was going to be virtual again. And I just made a choice to defer it until 2022, which was this year, in hopes that it would be in person again, which it was. Whether it was in Nashville, like where the convention was, or whether it was in Paris or, you know, in the Bahamas, which is where it's next year, I, I would have gone to wherever it was. So I'm, I'm really glad that I, I waited until 2022. But the whole process, you know, it humbled me which is something we always need. And it made me a better speaker in general. So I've learned a lot past two or three years with any kind of presentation in any format. You mentioned the no-nos, but you didn't say what they were. Any, any thoughts, any hints? Let us know a little bit about what we should not do. Well, don't change your speech the morning of just because you, <laughs> you know, that's a big no-no. Again, that, that was the biggest one. There were literally times in my speech, I went blank. I kind of forgot where I was. I also changed my speech. And, and this is something really important that, at least in the accredited speaker program, the speech that you give is a professional speech. And although you, you want to know your audience, and if the audience in this case is Toastmasters, then it's okay to, to treat them as Toastmasters because I would do that if the company I was talking to was Coca-Cola or a student group. You know, I want my audience to know I know who they are, but it's not an international speech speech. You know, it's a professional presentation. And looking back at 2020, when I made some of those changes, I did some things that converted it more into a Toastmaster speech rather than what I would have done in a professional audience. Interesting. And I hope that makes sense because that, that was another mistake that I made. There were some challenges, you know, just the fact that I didn't have an audience where I could really talk to because it was virtual. It was kind of like how we're talking right now. We don't see each other, but we're communicating. And I don't think I did some things there correctly as well. I've not listened to it since. Kevin, your winning presentation was called Don't Stop. And for those who haven't seen it yet, could you briefly explain what it's about? This presentation was three concepts that anyone could apply that are universal, that are timeless. And it also kind of tied into the music. Music's a big part of my life. It's a big part of my presentations. And that's also where I incorporated Don't Stop Believing, you know, the number one song of all time. Yeah. We're on my journey, fans, right? I think that's a big part of personal development and professional development is you can't stop believing in yourself. And as I was thinking about what would I do in a professional speech, knowing that it's in Nashville, Music City, knowing that the theme of the event is we are all storytellers. Then what I did, as I do with all my presentations, I take that plus knowing my audience, and then I, I customize one of my sample speeches, which one I think would be best to fit that narrative, to fit that theme so that the audience feels like I'm part of the event. I'm not just this speaker who was hired. I come and I go. And one of the best pieces of feedback I consistently get is they knew that I had prepared and I had studied and I had really crafted a speech around their theme and their audience. So that's why I did that talk. For me, Don't Stop was really what I wanted to go for with knowing the theme and also the location with music in Music City. So, you know, Don't Stop Showing Up was concept one. And you can, you know, when you guys watch or whoever watches the, the, the video, you'll see how I kind of play that in. Hey, you got to show up, right? So don't stop showing up. Also, don't stop thinking different. 
you know, how to reframe adversity. And then I shared for the first time that reverse poem that was really special to me and, and how I chose to think differently, which really saved my life from a, a young kid going through depression, which I talk about in my speeches. And then don't stop dreaming big. There's don't stop components I felt like really tied into the overall message of don't stop, which could help people personally, professionally, in their clubs, whatever goals they might have. So I felt like don't stop was a good lasting message that could hopefully leave an impact. I was just blown away by the fact that you incorporated the theme of the conference, because typically a lot of the presentations are shortened versions of their professional presentations. And in this particular case, it appeared that it was totally custom for this event. Kevin, on this same topic of customizing a speech for your audience, it occurs to me, and let me just explain this piece for the sake of the audience. A big part of Kevin's speech was about fulfilling his lifelong dream of appearing on the Price is Right. And there was a, a powerful story about all of that. It's a television game show for those who are not familiar with The Price is Right. And it occurs to me, Kevin, when I listen to you share that story, it seems like that one story could be told with so many different lessons or so many different parts of it that you could emphasize, whether it's goal setting, whether it's having a purpose, whether it's knowing what's really important to you or making difficult choices between two things that are really important to you. There's so many different ways that you can go with it. Is that something that you've done in your speaking, taking that story and shined a light on one aspect over another to highlight the point that you really want to drive home to this audience on this day? Wow, you should be a professional speaker because you get it. I feel like there, there are a lot of folks that, that don't understand the gravity, really the art. I treat every audience like they are the most important audience. And when I'm talking to the executives, I need to ask the right questions to know what is a successful presentation that I deliver to your group? What does that look like? What do we want them to think afterward? What do we want them to do? And so they, they really help me craft the speech. And that allows me, then I take those deliverables that they are expecting from me. I take those deliverables and then I say, well, okay. I know I'm going to give them prices right at some part of my speech. <laughs> what do I need to pull out and tailor for them to really to kind of highlight in the prices right? Because there are so many layers like an onion. There's so many layers to it that I can pull out. And if I, I usually set aside about 10, maybe 12 minutes for that, that segment of the prices right. And for me, when I get to it, there's stand-up comedy in it. You know, I actually had a speaker coach one time that asked me, technically, he said, he said how many laughs do you think you got during that Price is Right segment? I said, I, I don't know. I've never, never counted. He goes, you had 57 laughs wow. in a 12-minute period of time. He said, that would be more than what most stand-up comedians have. And yet you spun it around motivation. That was kind of interesting. I never thought of it that way. But there's also, you know, there's callbacks in that program where why Price is Right is important to me. It's not that it was just a game show. It actually was a distraction for me as a young boy battling depression. So there's a lot of callbacks that I can pull out depending on what my goals are for that presentation based on the meeting planner, what they want me to accomplish. So it, it can feel exhausting sometimes because I'm always going through my speeches, never taking the story for granted. And that story can be used multiple different ways. Kevin, you had the additional challenge this year 
of not only engaging that audience that was right there in the room with you, but also reaching all of those viewers who were watching the live stream at home. And mm. it really stood out to me as I watched your presentation that you seemed to pay special care to the audience at home to continually signal that, hey, I know you guys are part of this as well. You are part of this. It's 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 all of us, people in person and people virtually. And even the music that we talked about, some of the visuals that you brought into your presentation, they worked with both audiences. So I'm just curious if you could share with us a little bit about what went into your thinking and your preparation to make sure that both audiences were considered. There are so many factors that go into a, a virtual presentation that are different than in person or especially hybrid. And for, for all of us that you know, we're in hybrid club meetings or we just, we think of a hybrid event in general, like a, a staff meeting, if it can go wrong, it will. And how do you manage that in the moment, right? So one of the things that, that I did, I, I knew that I had two audiences. In fact, I had more people online than I did in person. Hmm. And you have to be real careful with, if you have two audiences at the exact same time, well, is the virtual audience, or as they say now, the remote audience, are they, are, is it a live stream or are they just going to watch the recording or is it simultaneous where you literally, you have two audiences hearing you at the exact same time? There's so many factors that go into it. And all these were in my mind. I will admit, I had a lot of anxiety about it because <laughs> I thought, well, you know, the day before I actually went, I sat in the back of the room at the event to watch one of the keynote speakers on my laptop from the back of the, the room they were presenting in to see if there was any kind of time lapse. And most events, there is. There is a lapse, whether it's five seconds, 10 seconds, maybe even a minute or more. And to my folks that have ever been on the production of a hybrid event, you know what I'm talking about because it's frustrating because now one of the audiences is not live. There's a delay. So how do you engage two audiences at different times? It's literally impossible. So sometimes you got to just go with it and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my energies on the in-person group. Well, in this case, even if I had a delay, which the Toastmasters production was amazing because there was no delay. And I vetted that out the day before. I knew to vet that out to reduce or take away that risk factor. And in this case, I felt good that if I was inclusive, if I talked to my online people and I knew where the camera was that was recording me, so I knew where to look to establish eye contact with them. And what I tried to do was just every few moments address them or look at them in some way. And when I've watched the video, I can st still see the comments and I can see the hands in the air, the, the emojis. And people, to your point and to your question, I'm glad you brought this up because they acknowledge that as well. And it wasn't by accident. I, I knew, I had to always remind myself, hey, how can I acknowledge the people online as well? And it doesn't have to be that complicated either. You could just say, hey, to my online people, why don't you type in the chat? You know, it could be that simple mm, just yeah. to acknowledge them. And I got a lot of great feedback about that. And I did have to push myself to kind of figure out how I was going to do that because I knew it was going to be difficult. Ever since watching Mike Carr do his world champion presentation, I actually look for things like that. And I personally thought that everybody remotely was totally engaged. I know I visited remotely and I was, I was totally engaged. So Kevin, before we head to the final showcase... In Nashville, you asked the audience a question. What's your price is right? Now, we know, I think it was, what, 1998, 
your price was right was literally, quite literally, the price is right. My question for you, Kevin, is what is your price is right today? Right now, I, I just delivered my second TEDx talk. And it's not even out yet because, and, and I'm not sure when it might be out because the review team, they've got some concerns because I'm sharing a lot of information that's very sensitive. I'm talking about my depression. I'm talking about my eating disorder that I had. I wanted the TED platform to be a, a platform where I could share how I not just recovered through some of those things, and there's more in my talk, but how I reframed those experiences and the trauma that I had a few years ago. How did I reframe that to find new meaning? and help other people by sharing the stories. And so I did this talk. My, my price is right for next year is when that talk is out, I'm going to publish a book on it. I want to develop a program where I can get into as many schools across the world that I possibly can to spread that message. You know, whether it's through my talk that they can watch on the TED platform, or it could be what I, I travel and I go see them because I want other 12-year-old boys like me to not feel so alone or young girls or young professionals or adults. It's called Pure Vulnerability is going to be the name of my talk and the name of the book. That's my next Price is Right. I have a vision. It's not like, hey, I want to achieve this many speaking engagements next year or make this much in my business or or have this many speaker coaching. No, it, it's actually, I don't have any of those Price is Rights anymore. It's all about pure vulnerability and how I can leverage it for all the right reasons to get the message out. So that's, that's my current price is right. That's super. So you've given us your current price is right. You've given us your future price is right. And folks, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, there was a lot of golden nuggets today. And for the Toastmasters podcast, the price is certainly right because it's free. And <laughs> I encourage yeah. anybody listening to share it with your friends and family and anybody you know. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you haven't already done so, please read the profile on Kevin C. Snyder in the January 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. And of course, you have an opportunity on YouTube to watch the entire accredited speaker presentation. It is gold. Brian. Kevin, before we let you go, for those who are listening right now, thinking we need to get Kevin Snyder into our organization, or maybe Toastmasters who are listening, who are inspired by your journey of becoming an accredited speaker, and maybe they want to ask some questions or get some advice. What's the best way for folks to find you online and reach out? Thank you for that. I'm real easy to find online. Kevin C, as in Charlie, Kevin C. Snyder, and spell it like the pretzel, or else it goes to somebody else who, let's just say they don't like me. They, they get a lot of emails. <laughs> but it's kevincsnyder.com, and that's also my, all my, my URLs for Facebook, for LinkedIn. And even my email, feel free to email me. It's kevin at kevincsnyder.com. And that's whether you want to explore me presenting for your district, for your company. Maybe you want to be a speaker. I have a book called Paid to Speak, which outlines my entire roadmap and process, how I built my speaking business and how I still run it to this day. So I'd love to offer that to you as well, if that's something any of you are interested in. Fantastic. Well, Kevin, your new 
Price is Right, as you said, is around vulnerability. And that's something that I've appreciated from this conversation today, your transparency, your vulnerability, sharing not only the successes and the triumphs, but the struggles along the way. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. Thank you all. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.